It's 11 past one and talking about working hard, Sally Lucas and I are working hard here just like Sam Cook and the Chain Gang and we are talking travel as well. And today we're looking at some things to get excited about, walking tours in France and Spain and Sally, something that every jet traveller knows about jet lag. It is, Jane, and some people, I guess, do suffer from it more than others, and there's all sorts of fact and fiction put out there about the um, the causes and cures for jet lag. But apparently it is a combination of symptoms, predominantly fatigue, which is caused by travelling, you know, abruptly through different time zones. And um, travelling into a different time zone actually disrupts the body's um, circadian rhythm, um, which, of course, is you know includes temperature, hormones, digestion, heart rate, blood pressure, etc. So lack of sleep before and during travelling can also contribute to jet lags. In other words, you should be really, really well rested before you commence a long flight as well. Of course, um, that's sometimes difficult because you're so busy excited making everything and getting, yes, that, right while you're right. away. But if you can, try and have those early nights before you go. Now, they say there's no cure for jet lag. This is interesting. Oh, dear. But its effects can be re- reduced okay, that's with good careful planning. So... For example, did you know that jet lag is worse when you fly east? Oh, oh, okay. So going east is worse. Yes. And melatonin supplements can reduce the um, effects of jet lag when you arrive at your destination. So your circadian rhythm or your body clock is less confused if you travel westward. This is because traveling west prolongs the body clock's experience of its normal day-night cycle. The normal tendency of the body clock in most of us is slightly longer than 24 hours. Travelling eastwards, however, runs in the opposite direction to the body clock. So that makes your days shorter and your nights yeah, shorter. Interesting, isn't it? The body can't catch up. So if you, you know, suffer badly from jet lag, you could consider a, a westerly route if that's at all possible. But sometimes that isn't possible, of course. So virtually what they're saying, I mean, your tips are it's mainly sleep deficit more than anything. Um, and also, you know, diet, of course, has effect on it as well. So the idea would be is to limit or avoid alcohol and caffeinated drinks, drink plenty of water, try to nap whenever you feel sleepy, eat small meals frequently and choose lighter foods like fruit and vegetable wear loose comfortable clothing where possible walk around the cabin which we always say of course and um, when you sleep on the plane try and plan the sleep as if it is at the time of your destination ah so think ahead Mm, thinking ahead wearing earplugs helps of course and then adjusting to the time zone of course that often could take you a couple of days but yes it's interesting but you can get some medications there's some homeopathic things they recommend like arnica which is good for sleeplessness um, chamomile um, you know various different valerian with diet as we've already mentioned and also melatonin um, can help and apparently it is normally a a hormone secreted by um, the pineal uh, gland in the brain so actually one of the melatonin's key jobs is to control the body's circadian rhythm so there you go so you you can apparently get melatonin supplements as well so these are things you could discuss with your naturopath doctor or whatever but they might just help you realize why you get jet lag and some of the things you can do to avoid it Mm, that's interesting (laughs) it is isn't it fly west young man (laughs) (laughs) now getting on to other things um i just thought i i went to spain as you might recall jane last year and and i I bet you flew west to get there well i did didn't i (laughs) 
and it wasn't too bad actually because you get there in the morning and you really you just keep going all day until you're ready to collapse that night but that again I should say that if if you can get a flight for example if it really jet lag really affects you and it's not always possible but if you can get a flight where you arrive somewhere say after lunch because most hotels these days you can't check in till two o'clock so if you're arriving somewhere at five or six in the morning you're dragging your poor little tired body around after you've probably been in the air for 23 hours if you've gone to Europe plus the time you've been up before that to get yourself to Sydney check-ins etc so if you can try and do it where you get an afternoon flight arrival that's really great because all you've got to do is probably fill in a couple of hours have an early light tea go to bed and you really find that you get on top of that jet lag very quickly so that's another thing to consider as well anyhow we're talking Spain because when I went there last year I must admit I went with a fairly open mind I hadn't been to Spain before but I was blown away and it took me I think it often does till you come home for everything to sink in that you absorbed and seen that it was really quite an amazing place because of the I guess the architecture more than anything and I guess that gets us in with the old buildings you know in Europe but they had such an amazing mix of architecture from, from you know the black moors from the Moorish days it was very large Jewish population has been there a Muslim population and of course the Romans of course as they were everywhere but it was just intriguing because you'd often have a comp and even the churches they used to share them wasn't it a shame muslims and western religion can't do that today but there were particular churches there where muslims and catholics shared the one church or the one cathedral and it was a mixture of both architectures so very very interesting and spain itself i think its lifestyle its its way of eating those you know light tapas meals where you just sit down have a few bites of something to eat with a glass of wine you know it's such a lovely way to experience the food and the culture and i just really loved it i found madrid was um i guess it was more sophisticated I guess is the right word beautiful wide boulevards very treed lovely parks the museums of course like the Prado and everything were wonderful Barcelona very busy buzzy on the go etc but then you went to somewhere like Granada where you've got the Alhambra Palace or Sevilla um, or Valencia the beautiful towns with the Sierra Nevadas behind them and so on so you've got mountains you've got beaches you've got and I really only did from Madrid across to Portugal and then south so I didn't get to do north which is the wonderful, which we'll talk about next, some of these wonderful walks you can do across the Santiago de Compostela and Bilbao where the Guggenheim Museum is and so on. So, you know, it really is a very diverse country and has a lot to offer if you've never considered going to Spain. It really is quite a fantastic experience. And you're listening to Talking Travel 21 Past One, Sally Lucas. Some and a really interesting way of looking at parts of Spain. It is, and another area that I didn't actually get to, Jane, but I've just been reading up on it, and it just sounds absolutely wonderful. And apparently, a famous 20th century Austrian poet summed this place up called Ronda, and Ronda just means rocky. And it's this village, when you look at photos, is perched up high on, on cliffs and got this incredible viaduct-type bridge with this enormous gorge that just drops away. And he said, I have sought everywhere the city of my dreams and I have finally, finally found it in Ronda. There is nothing that is more startling than this wild and mountainous city. And others to shout its praises was um, Ernest Hemingway and Hollywood legend Orson Welles, and they both loved the town for its uniqueness. And, um, of course, Ernest Hemingway really loved bullfight twos and it was quite famous in that area for its bullfighting and it's got the oldest and probably most famous one there as well but it's just quite incredible as I said that the city perches atop both this this 
deep canyon almost, which is 68 metres wide and 120 metres deep. And it's had a lot of violent history as well with the Romans and Carthages. Hannibal, they clashed there. And later Catholics fought furiously against, um, you know, followers in, in um, different religions in the 16th century. So it's um, also a famous scene in the Hemingway's classic For Whom the Bell Tolls is based on a particularly uh, violent episode of the Spanish Civil War there as well. So La Ronda, it looks fascinating, sounds fascinating, and it's in Andalusia. So in the south, so if you're thinking of going to Spain, that might be another city that you might not have read much about or heard much about that could be worth including. Now, there is a company called Outdoor Travel who do wonderful walking and cycling tours in Europe and the UK. Um, and we get a lot of information forwarded from them to us all the time, which is very interesting. And they're a very well-informed company. And everything you read about them and all their testimonials and all the feedback we get is all excellent if you're wanting to use a reputable company to do a, a walking, hiking cycling type tour and to give you an idea of some of the areas that they do they do them they start off mainly doing them in France and Spain but they have expand, expanded rather beyond that now and they offer routes which include the Camino de Santiago of course or the way of St James that is known and that is part of the pilgrim route where the pilgrims did cross of course right away from Europe into Spain and this is where it's interesting even in Spain we were there I mean in France when we were there we went to this little village called Conque um, C-O-N-Q-U-E-S and it's on the pilgrim route and, and the whole architecture of that town is Spanish and not French because the Spanish stopped there for quite a while and hid a lot of the jewels that they were taking across and some of them are still there in this uh, cathedral in, in Conque so it's very interesting and of course they travelled from Le Pai in, in rural France across the Pyrenees to Santiago in northwest Spain so there's different, um, you can do the whole route which is quite lengthy or you can do portions of the route of course and also you go along the River Yon to Vézelay in the wine growing region of Burgundy in France they do the Camino Portuguese, which is from Porto to Santiago, St Cuthbert's Way, which is from Scotland into England, and in Italy they do the Via Francigena, which is the Pilgrim's Road into Rome. So there's some very interesting ones you can do, and there's many others, not just those, and they've got classic walks as well in, in England doing the coast-to-coast walk um, or South Downs Way, or they've got themed routes such as Wainwright's Way in England, um, sort of far from the mad in crowd area of, of Dorset, um, the Wessex Trail or Stevenson's Trail and uh, travels with a donkey in the wild Auvergne in central France. So, What are some of the things they do for you as, a, as, as an organiser? Well, you, they you only have a, do if you organise it yourself. Yes, well, they only have a small group, so maximum never more than 15 people. You fly into whichever airport where is closest to where this is starting from or however you're getting there, say Toulouse or somewhere, that's where you're starting, and you'll be met at the airport and you know it'll be including the accommodation will vary. Sometimes it might be like Poncioni B&Bs if it's in, in main townships and then quite often when you're on the Camp Camino de Santiago you'll be staying actually in people's homes with home cooked meals and uh, you can do it different ways I mean you can hike your own stuff or they will transport your luggage and you just have your day pack and you've given a map and you can go off you know you can go on your own and you follow the route each day of X kilometres or you can go on a guided walk and of course depending on your levels of fitness which walk would suit you whether it's a more mountainous walk or you're going to do a flatter section of it but 
there's so many options and so many beautiful parts of Europe to, to trek in. And we've only been talking mainly France and Spain today. But, of course, it's not limited to France and Spain and Italy and Austria and Switzerland. I mean, I've got friends living in Munich at the moment and they're just adoring it. And they've got relatives in Austria and she keeps sending me these incredible photos of the most beautiful mountainous scenery and lakes and things you can, well, areas you can trek. So if anyone's interested in walking, cycling, anything like that, I mean, that's just one company. There are others that you could consider looking at anyway, outdoor travel. They're based in Melbourne, but any travel agent would be able to um, help you with that and give you some advice. So just a nice way of doing things. You've got the time and, you know, it's not rushed. It's not a race to get from A to B. You know, it's done with leisurely things. There's meals included, you know, additional sightseeing, little wine tastings, cheese tastings along the way. So just, just a lovely way of some camaraderie with a few nice people, I'm sure, in your group and a lovely way to enjoy those parts of the world. And how fit you are when you come back. Well, you can earn your wine and cheese and food, can't you? You have earned it, which is even better. Thank you, Sally Thank Lucas. you, Jane. And we'll be back talking travel again next Friday after the one o'clock news on to a new RFM.